It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hi, Cardinal fans. I'm Ozzie Smith. Smith corks one into right down the line. It may go. And you're listening to the Cardinals Insider Podcast. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. Here's your host, Brent McMillan. Here it is, first off-season edition of the Cardinals Insider Podcast. My name is Brett McMillan. Glad that you could join us as today we let you hear the 2019 year-end press conference. Maybe you knew, maybe you didn't, but every year, usually a couple days after the end of the World Series, there is a year-end press conference. It's the media's first opportunity to talk with the baseball executives here for the St. Louis Cardinals after the conclusion of of the season, so that included this year Bill DeWitt Jr., John Mosellock, the president of baseball operations, and the general manager and vice president Michael Gersh. You'll hear reporters' questions. I did clean up some of the just lag or space between questions, or maybe if there was uh, something that was a little redundant, I cleaned it up, but it is essentially unedited, the questions in the order that they were asked. And I think that this space, compared to others, the thing I love about podcasts is It's just a space to let the subjects themselves elaborate on topics, and so that's what we give them the chance to do over the course of about 35 minutes here coming up. If you are really into analytics, you're going to hear these three men who are the baseball decision makers for the Cardinals talk about the growth of the baseball development department. So if you are a stat guy or a stat girl, This is definitely a podcast that you're going to enjoy. You'll also hear Bill DeWitt Jr., John Mosellock, and Michael Gersh talk about the coaching staff coming back for 2020, unchanged, and also some contract extensions in the front office. Those will be rolled out, and uh, people will talk about why certain people will be remaining in the roles that they are in and the work that they've been able to do and why it's good for the Cardinals going forward to extend them. So that is what is on tap. I don't really have much else to tell you about. I hope that you've had a good off season. It's good to be with you. I'm not going to jump back in on the end. I'll just let these guys take it, and you can kind of hear the baseball stuff after that long discussion or moderately uh, deep discussion about baseball development and that group at the beginning. There is, I'd say, the back three quarters, back half, maybe more like the back three quarters of this thing are baseball-related questions. Matt Carpenter, Marcelo Zuna, uh, who closes for the first half of the year, all those types of topics are tackled. I hope that you enjoy it. I hope that you subscribe anywhere that you get your podcast. Just search Cardinals Insider, or you can check us out anytime at cardinals.com slash insider. And my email is always up and open, podcast with an S at cardinals.com. We'll do four, five, six more of these before spring training wraps up and we get ready for the 2020 season. Hope that you enjoy it. It is the 2019 year-end press conference on the Cardinals Insider Podcast. Good to see you all here today. I'm pleased to announce that we have reached contract extensions for our senior baseball leadership group. Uh, John Mosellock, who had one year left on his contract, 
Uh, we have extended an additional three years, so he will now be with us for the next four years. Mike Gersh, our general manager, uh, we had an option for 2020 on his contract, which we have exercised and added two additional years. Uh, so that's a total of three years. Uh, and we'll talk about this little, in a little bit. Mike Schilt uh, has agreed to a new three-year contract uh, to manage the Cardinals. What Mo and his group have accomplished since um, he took over in 2008 as the head of our baseball ops is pretty impressive. We've been in the playoffs seven times. We've had 12 consecutive winning seasons, two pennants, a world championship, and of course, uh, included in that uh, postseason is this past year where we won 91 games and made it to the NLCS. In addition to our on-field success at the major league level, uh, we continue to have a, a robust farm system, which is not easy to do when you have winning seasons, you don't draft high, uh, but uh, we've got a very strong um, scouting and player development group, which enables that, which we're very pleased to, to have, and a big part of our success, of course. If you look at the club we had the last year and through the years, it's really driven by our homegrown players. Um, so we're very happy to have continuity here with uh, baseball operations and look forward to great success in the future. With that, I'll turn it over to Mo. Thank you, Bill. Um, you know, one of the, the key words there is continuity. I think uh, all of us that have worked on, on the baseball operations side and, and really on the business side, we've had two presidents, one owner, three leaders of uh, baseball operations. And I think, you know, Mr. DeWitt and his ownership group have, have really entrusted all of us to, to have the success we've had, and, and, and we're very fortunate for that. You know, there's a lot of exciting things going on here. Um, obviously, uh, on a personal level, excited to know that I'll be a part of the organization for four more years, and, and I feel like we are positioned to, to have continued success. Uh, very fortunate to work with Mike Gersh. Um, we've been together a long time. He joined the Cardinals in 06 and uh, was promoted to assistant GM in 11 and then general manager shortly after that. And the relationship we have, the people that we have working with us on a day-to-day -day basis is something that continues to get stronger. We continue to have more confidence in how we think about our decision-making and, and what that team looks like. And, and that's our responsibility. And so before I turn it over to, to Gersh, I would like to just add a couple things on that team. Uh, very fortunate to work with Randy Flores as our assistant GM. And um, obviously, uh, Moises Rodriguez is another key member of, of that group. And the other part that, that has been evolving too over time is our, our baseball development group. And we do have some promotions within that group. Uh, Jeremy Cohen will now be our senior director of baseball development. Kevin Seats will be um, our baseball analyst director. Uh, our systems director will be Patrick Costanza, and Matt Bear will be our project director. So all of these, um, in terms of our leadership and what we're trying to do, is, is been a, a welcome change in our group. 
And uh, I should note that that Javi Gurren will also be uh, promoted to uh, Director of Technology and Information. I'll have Gersh talk about one other promotion here shortly after he uh, says a few things. So turn it over to you. Thanks, Mo. Um, I just want to echo uh, Mo, Mo said, thanking uh, ownership for the opportunity to continue to grow what we're doing in the front office um, to keep the stability together and, uh, and expand what we've been working on. Um, as Mo said, the, the one other additional promotion is that we've, uh, we've promoted uh, Tyler Hudzinski to the assistant scouting director, um, working with Randy Flores. The, 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 other, the other announcement uh, is that the major league coaching staff will be returning in its entirety. Everyone, uh, everyone who was with us last year is returning for the uh, 2020 season. At this point, we'd be happy to take a few questions. Does Schilt have a, three more years besides the one that he has already? Um, no, we, um, we, we actually just ripped up the old okay. contract and it will start anew. Okay. Mo, I know recently there were hires, at least, that were, that were posted, jobs that were posted in terms of the, the, the analytics department. Do these promotions reflect then sort of openings, perhaps, in that department that created what a new structure might look like in terms of, of that department's operation? You know, one of the things that we had evaluated on our baseball development group was, was that um, we could use some, some extra people. I think the restructure of the leadership team was really um, something that came about when uh, Dane Sorensen had, had left. Now, as we think about how we backfill for these promotions, it's really about just, just making this department stronger. So we decided to add more full-time employees. When you said the entire 2020, the coaching staff returns, that includes Joey as well, I assume? As part Joey? Of the, Joey, yeah, as part of that coaching staff. Sure. And, and the analytics department sort of together, I guess, is the question. Well, I, I like to think of Joey as, as uh, part coach, part front office, but um, he is coming back, yes. Anyone else? Have you got anything to offer on Wainwright, his decision to play or not play? Well, I think to answer your question on Adam Wainwright, we are still in discussions on, on potentially a contract for next year. Clearly, um, I think both parties would like to try to find a way to make it work, and so that's what we'll try to do over the next uh, week or two. Aside from Wainwright, have you started to begin your offseason plans, what you might go after, trades, things like that? So we were, uh, we've been in discussions in terms of what our off-season strategy will look like. Um, the three of us, plus Mike Schilt and others, have, have looked at you know, understanding what that free agent market will look like, understanding what that trade market will look like, and really you know, taking a, a, a close look at what we look like. And I think you know, trying to understand like, where we could try to make improvements, what, uh, what places do we think we can uh, try to do this from an internal aspect versus external. And so as we approach the general manager meetings next week, we're obviously going to be uh, focused on making sure that we touch base with all clubs and uh, hopefully have a good roadmap for the offseason. How can the offense get better? Hit more? Um, well, I think that's something that we're struggling with. And when you look at, at really the performance of our, our team last year, to be part of the Final Four is, is, you know, it's a great compliment. But I really think that's what's encouraging too, because when you when you look at at how people performed relative to expectations, most were below what we all thought they were going to do. So, off season is no different than last year's in the sense of we're going to be a. a very intentional on what players need to be working on, what they should be focused on. Uh, clearly, from an offensive standpoint, 
we, we've put together a curriculum that we hope will, will help each of those hitters get to that next level. And that's something that we're very much focused on over the next three months. Now, in terms of are there additions that we could look at, uh, I think it's, it's a bit premature to say yes or no on that. We're going to obviously see how the market shakes out and, and what that might, what opportunities might present itself. But overall, we, we feel like we have a really good team, but a team that could actually perform better from an offensive standpoint. You, you talked about how the importance of continuity, and that's often obviously been a staple of your time here with the Cardinals. <clears throat> how does continuity fight against sameness? And are, are some of the changes maybe that we're seeing in the infrastructure of the team a way to combat being stale or being same? You know, clearly when you, when you hear a question like that, the first reaction you have is, well, we're not stale. But I can understand perception. And... You know, we've, we've always looked at, at how we think about our decision tree, how we think about our communication tree. And, you know, that's one of the things that, that Bill, Gersh, myself, we're always struggling with is, is to make sure that someone's voice doesn't get old, someone's voice doesn't become just noise. And I think we're very conscious of that um, in terms of how you think about it from an internal standpoint. We are trying to give more people uh, um, some autonomy to do their jobs. We're trying to have them have a true growth plan on what's next for them. You know, there's not going to do this forever. So having a way to think about succession and, and giving people that, that opportunity to grow, I think, is most important. Um, we certainly don't want to be a broken record. We certainly don't want to be a, an organization that doesn't feel like we're, we're trying to innovate or be fresh. Uh, we recognize all of that. And, um, you know, as you even think about our club and, and how it was built this year, there's not a lot of room for change, but we recognize if we can create some that we should. Something that we would see that would indicate change. What, what are some of the examples, like some things you want to see? Well, I think like, like in, in terms of just growth for individual employees is something that, um, you know, we all want to see happen. And, you know, when you look at that, that leadership group of, of Gary, Flo, Luis, I mean, they're, they're overseeing our departments, but Luis has, you know, been in that role for a couple of years now. So, you know, trying to create opportunity and also more exposure, not only at their uh, given responsibilities, but also where you can cross pollinate so they can see other parts of the company. how you acquire talent or thoughts on acquiring talent? I mean, this year in terms of how we think about acquiring talent versus, you know, what true opportunities might exist, it, it, you know, we might have our limitations in that regard. But I think as, as we all try to think about how to build for the, for the future, I, I think we're all looking at what possibilities are, could be anew. And so I think everybody welcomes that. payroll base based on contracts returning for next year is that and you've also sort of mentioned some changes maybe coming internally is that maybe more where the focus is this offseason well i think when we talk about roster i think you, you can all do your own analysis but there's a pretty high probability that majority of the players are returning and so then when you look at what we have in our system and the type of depth we have we certainly want to try to create some of that opportunity for them um you know, nothing's worse than if you if you can't have some internal promotions to some level. So, you know, it's hard to say exactly what the next two months are going to look like because we don't know. 
but you know certainly we're we're excited about what we have internally to give that a chance to play. You know, one uh, thing I'd add to what Mo said about you've seen the same faces up here, but underneath there's been a lot of vibrancy and and uh, change. We've had a number of different scouting directors. Um, underneath that, we continue to improve um, in the analytics department. We've stressed that through the years, and uh, you know there, there's constant upgrading and change. So, where the leadership has been stable, uh, the organization is has uh, been stable as well. But there is change. We always bring in smart young, uh, new talent, and you know I feel like uh, we continue to be pretty cutting edge in, in analytics and how we operate the business. So, uh, you know, that's something maybe you all don't see, but uh, it's fact. Yeah, I, I would just add that, you know, we've had, as, as Bill said, we've had some turnover sort of maybe a little bit behind the scenes for the average person, but, but some of it, you know, some of those things that we're dealing with, for, for example, Mark DeJohn moving on, creates opportunities in the minor league side for people to step into roles that they didn't have before and to expand, you know, people like Chris Swagger, who you know, gets an opportunity that, that, that otherwise, you know, wouldn't be there for him. So it's um, some of the opportunities are because we're growing, like in the baseball development group where we're adding people to, to grow a department. And some of it's just general turnover that allows guys who've been in the organization for a while, learn from, from people who've been here a long time to sort of step up and, and, and spread their wings a little bit. Series of announcements you made is maybe a move more toward analytics. Is that a fair view of it, or fortifying that, you know, that philosophy? I, I wouldn't say more, more towards a move towards it. We just we just see an opportunity to continue to get better at it. And I, I will also say that when you when you look back at the past few years, the the way the infrastructure was set up, a lot of effort was was being put in just to keep things kind of moving, we want to spend more time getting better at how we think about our analytics. And so we're trying to free up some of these smart young people that, that Bill's referring to and give them an opportunity to be more innovative. I'd add, whether, you, whether it's a, a pivot towards analytics, the amount of data we have coming in now just, just overwhelms what we have. Like when I started, we did stuff on spreadsheets because you could, and now you can't. You need you need cloud-based databases to manage all the data. It's just you need you need people to deal with the amount of information we have available to us, just to have it organized and ready to go, before you decide how to implement it or what to do with it. And it, that part of this is just sort of building up and catching up to this the amount of data that we have coming in. When, when you were evaluating that part of the organization in comparison to the rest of the industry, is that a spot where you felt that maybe there wasn't, you weren't seizing a competitive advantage that maybe you could see and then that part of this restructuring is something to steer toward that? Well, I, I still have a lot of confidence in our, our baseball development group and, and always have. I think now, as you look at what our competition's doing, it's always hard to gauge exactly what that looks like, but... Um, you know, we really felt like just modernizing the group and, and giving the group the type of support it needed to just further have growth. So, you know, it wasn't as if we thought we were broken and needed to be fixed. We just thought we were good and wanted to get better. You've got a fan base that's lost confidence in Matt Carpenter. What is your confidence level in Matt? Well, I'm probably a bit biased in this one, but um, 
you know, I, I had a coffee with him before the he he went home for the off season. Obviously, he he wasn't pleased with the year he had. He he had much higher expectations. He's going to spend his off season in, in preparing and trying to do some things to to help um, really change that trajectory. So, in terms of of my confidence or our confidence in him, it's high. Um, you look at where he was a year ago to to what happened this past year. Um, we're going to look at that as an outlier. Our expectations for him next season is to be a contributing member in that order and. I know he wants to do everything he can to be a part of that. How do you envision third base at this point? Well, I think the question is, how do you envision Tommy Edmond, right? And, and I think Tommy is one of those types of players that gives you just a lot of flexibility. Um, like internally, we sometimes compare it to like a Zobris type where he'll have a lot of different gloves, will find his way into the lineup, and you know ultimately uh, – um, gives the manager a lot of flexibility, being a switch hitter and playing different positions. So I, I think as the, the season unfolds, the, the key will be trying to keep him given opportunities, and that's what our goal will be. Do you sense with Edmund then, I mean, you could make a trade tomorrow, the whole thing, but if Edmund's back and the guys are back, that he'll start every day somewhere? I don't know if I'd say start every day, but again, I think he'll get a lot of playing opportunity. Well, what, uh, for you, what position is open then for offensive change? If, if you want to upgrade the lineup, where do you find a spot for them? Well, when you when you ask the question that way, it's hard to answer. I, I think what we're trying to, to say is, you know, when you look at our outfield, giving some of our players the opportunity to play. Um, I think that's the most important as you think about this offseason. I would say, though, like, it's a little bit hard to answer that question as well because of the timing. Um, things could happen. There could be trades. Or who, who knows what could happen over the next three months. But how does our offense get better? It's not by one position. It's by collectively producing more. And with what you said about believing the offense did not meet expectations, are you inclined to think that the best offseason approach is having them work at their deficiencies and improving as opposed to making a trade or a free agent. Yeah, maybe the easiest way to think about this for the group is, remember a year ago we were sitting here talking about how do you improve your defense and how do you improve base running? And there wasn't like one player that you could go out that would check those boxes or one player that would improve defense or one player that would improve your base running. We had a, a off-season strategy to address those deficiencies, and we were able to accomplish that. The same will happen with our offense. Now, I can't guarantee you that it'll still be the positive outcome of that, but that will be our hope. The argument could be made that you did have one player who improved both of those aspects, though. You added Paul Goldschmidt, and your defense got significantly better. Base running got significantly better. I mean, he was the reason for part of that, right? You're right, but I also think um, I also feel like you're, you're discrediting some other players that had a lot to do with that. Player changing things. I, I think clearly Goldie was a, a, a positive resource on the defensive side. I think from a base running standpoint, that was an internal strategy. But overall, I think that's how we're going to approach hitting. Well, when you speak to looking for space for outfielders to play, at present there is no signed left fielder on the roster. Do you expect there to be much engagement with Marcel beyond the qualifying offer, or is that an area we're looking at as an opportunity for playing time for internal options? We, we will. I'll definitely touch base with his agent, obviously, between now and the GM meetings. Um, in terms of, of long term, I don't know what that looks like.
prospects and guys who have played a little bit. Do you view it as maybe having to try to, I guess, prioritize those guys before the season? Or is this season about maybe cycling those guys through and seeing which ones you feel like you want to have moving forward? Yeah, it's tough to like answer that in the sense that we, we don't know, right? And, and that's part of why we're trying to create some opportunity so we do know. Place, though, right? Exactly. Is it possible we'll see Carpenter in the outfield in spring training, like left field? Uh, I have not heard that, um, so I'm going to say no. Right. Can you describe um, the philosophies of Jeff Albert, co quality contact, and how you you hope uh, how he plans on getting to the players this offseason and helping the offense? Yeah, I think a, a lot's been made out of. You, know, you hire a coach and expect like the pixie dust to be spread across and everything just works. The one thing I'll tell you about Jeff is you know he's very strategic. He had a plan. I think you know as as you lay out your plan, sometimes you have to have that evolve. And I think next week our, our major league coaching staff will get together and and they will build that off season strategy. But I think everybody that sits up here is still very excited about what Jeff brings to the table. I think some of the of what he, his philosophy, but also how he teaches is very important to long-term success. And one of the key things I will remind everybody about when we hired Jeff Albert was having an overarching strategy throughout our system. And I, I still think he'll be very much a part of that. Obviously, you can look at the offensive numbers as a whole, but what did you see in his first season that said, hey, this is, this is the guy who's, who's going to get us where we want to go offensively? over the course of his time with the team? Well, he's just someone that, that understands modern technology. He understands modern analytics, and he understands how to bake that into to his teaching strategy. I, I'm not saying that everybody will hear what he has to say, and, and I think part of what he has to learn to do is adjust in his messaging. But I think the way he looks at the world is, is, is in a lot of ways, what we wanted to see happen as we move forward. And... Again, I think he puts a lot of tools in the toolbox for, for young hitters, and ultimately he's got to find out which ones to pull. How much can the, the additions to the baseball development group sort of reinforce that message and, and reinforce what he might do to implement a system kind of across your system? Yeah, I don't envision a major change in that regard. Um, you know, we're, we're, our baseball development group already has been a resource for our major league staff and will continue to be. Um, obviously, if, if there are key members that have relationships down there, we'll look to keep that going. But, you know, ultimately, you know, all they have to do is pick up the phone or send an email and we'll respond. The team has about $140 million already committed. Where do you see the flexibility in the payrolls? Or do you see much flexibility in this payroll? You know, our... our um, Payroll this past year, I think, was six in Major League Baseball. Our revenue was 11th. And I think this coming year it'll be, you know, similar categories it was last year, uh, which is pretty robust payroll given, you know, where we stand revenue-wise. Could it grow beyond last year then? Because revenues, I guess inflation would allow for growth. But would you see some growth? <laughs> uh you know, it's hard to see a lot of inflation. We draw extremely well. We don't raise a lot. Of, we don't raise prices much. Um, our cable deal is—it's uh, got minor increases. So, uh, I, I think the revenue at MLB over time will go up. Uh, if you look at the various sources of revenue, there isn't—you 
you know, huge increases year to year. And while we didn't get to see a lot of Blaine Thomas because he got hurt in spring, got broken hand late in the season, what are his chances of being an impact player, perhaps even a regular player next year? Well, fingers are crossed he is. Um, that he's part of that group that, you know, we're trying to create opportunity for. Um, you, you know, I think the month of September, we missed him. Um, he was someone that was, was coming into his own and unfortunately uh, broke his wrist and wasn't available, but I think he was missed. Um, what does Jordan Hicks' offseason look like? As far as Tommy John recovery. So obviously he had Tommy John surgery. He's actually spending his offseason here in St. Louis, um, working with our, our rehab team. He is, um, knock on wood, had a very good offseason so far. He's been uh, very receptive to, to doing what's being asked of him. And so I think it's a little early to, to understand what outlook will look like, but certainly hopeful that he'll be a, a, a pitching for us next summer at some point. Physically, he's having a normal offseason. Um, so he, he checked out healthy at the end of the year. We are encouraging him just to have a quiet offseason and then ultimately report to Jupiter early January at some point and begin his throwing program. So, what is the plan for Carlos Martinez? So, um, as we talked about late in the season, you know, Carlos's preference would be to be back in the rotation. Um, our preference, if uh, if Carlos is physically able, is to get him back in the rotation. So he will spend his offseason preparing for that. Um, we'll be checking in with him, having him visit Jupiter. Um, and sort of as the offseason goes, we'll get a better feel for whether that's that's something that's realistic for, for both sides to, to make happen. Did his recovery go as planned from the injection he had? And was there any other follow-up procedure necessary in terms of? Yeah, he's, he's, uh, that injection, everything went smoothly afterward. And so he's you know, in a normal, in a normal off-season mode right now. Have there been any other procedures medically for any other players since the season ended? Um, could be a little more specific, but um, is there anybody you're thinking about? No, nothing new, but sometimes you guys have some cleanup done on your elbow or shoulder. I don't recall any cleanups. Nothing, no surgical, yeah, no surgical Not procedures. Not that I'm aware of. What does uh, Brett Cecil's 2020 look like? Well, we don't know. Um, obviously, uh, missed a lot of time. Uh, he is spending his off-season in Jupiter, so he's going to be working with our rehab team down there, and you know, hopefully, uh, he's someone that could contribute for us. But I think that's a it's a big question mark on what we're going to get. And I, I think, from a physical standpoint, he's got to prepare himself for the year. He recently had to be put back on the forty man, as did everyone. Was there ever a moment where that was? doubt that that would happen, that perhaps he would not make that reinsertion into the 40-man roster? No. No, that did not come up. Curious for any of you who care to weigh in on this, but what was your just review of, of the way things went in the NLCS after what you saw the Nationals go on to do? And, and did that, you know, just your thoughts on, you know, running into that team and, and how they finished and how it made you review your postseason or your season? Anyone? I can. I'll take a stab at it. Uh, you know, I, I I think back to those four games, and uh, you know, I, the the game that I think really sort of changed for us was Game One. Um, you know, not being able to to muster up any offense. I think that was an opportunity that, in hindsight, is a missed one. 
but you know clearly that team became a, a, a team of destiny um, an odd World Series right all the um, home teams lost but you know I, I guess you take some solace in the fact that the the team that beat us won yeah I the only idea is I don't think it changes our outlook of our season a whole lot what happened in game seven of the World Series like wasn't like because the Nationals pulled it out, it somehow makes us feel all that much better. Um, but I do think it, it, they had a very impressive pitching staff that, that shut down one of the best offenses in baseball in the World Series for the most part. And uh, um, it was an, an impressive run for them. You know, I think that just goes with a short series. I mean, when you look at the – we had one of our best offensive clubs in 2004. and. Uh, you know, ran into a buzzsaw and four games and out. That kind of baseball. And, uh, you know, we've been fortunate to have the shoe on the other foot as well uh, a number of times. So uh, we had a good series in Atlanta, and they're a really good club. I mean, a really good club. And, you know, that Washington uh, team of destiny, and they got hot. They wasn't just hot then. They, you know, they got off to a terrible start. Twelve games under 500, turned it around, and you know went on a roll and went all the way through the World Series. So, just kind of the nature of baseball. Do you have any uh, concern that fans may not be bonding with this particular team for whatever reason? No, uh, I, I think the fans realize that uh, we had a really good season, 91 wins, and beat Atlanta in a really exciting series. And, uh, you know, you're not going to win every time you get to the NLCS. We've had a pretty good record over the years. Um, we've been there 10 times uh, in the last 20 years, and I think uh, we've won four. Uh, so, you know, if you can win half the time there, which we didn't quite do, but that's a pretty good record postseason. Uh, and I think the fans are enthused. They're, they're excited. Uh, you know, we've got a pretty good young core, uh, and, you know, they're going to get better. And the veterans we do have, as Mo said earlier, uh, Carp obviously will have a better season, uh, we expect. He's highly motivated. Uh, Goldie uh, got off to, you know, he didn't have a very good first half, but if you look at a second half and you look what, He's done in the past. Uh, you know that's something to get excited about. You can kind of go up and down the line and and uh, see where uh, this club should be. Do you maybe elaborate a little bit on what you diagnosed as the issue was with the offense this past year? I mean, you had a full lineup of guys who hit ten plus home runs, so you did benefit from sort of the power game being in play but then also had a sag in OBP, a sag in OPS, but some of those related to maybe the counts guys were getting. Just, can you give some specifics of what you diagnosed <laughs> Boy, that, as the issue? Yeah, I mean, I think there's like your, your, the human opinion and there's a actual more scientific a, approach, but the, the human side did feel like we were 0-2 a lot. Um, and, and so you're in defensive counts, and I think you know that's in a lot of ways what you saw happen. But... You know, I do think from a, a more strategic approach is, is going to be, you know, understanding your strike zone. I think that's what, like, Jeff Albert is the huge advocate for is, you know, understand what you should be swinging at and why. And, 
you know, when we hired him and to try to get that curriculum ingrained is the timing was not great. So, you know, this year we've had, he's had a full year under his belt. He also has this off season to continue to work on it. So I think when you look at it from a strategic standpoint, there's room to grow. Most played appearances with two strikes beyond, and then also saw more breaking balls than maybe ever. I mean, are these things related? Do you think? Um, I, you know, I don't know if they're the reason for the offensive problems, but they certainly exist. They were real, um, and I think how you think about fixing that—that's you know our responsibility to to you know change those odds. I was going to say, I think the, the industry has changed, too, over time. Yeah. The, 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 the number of breaking balls being thrown across baseball keeps going up. number of strikes out keeps going up, which probably means more two-strike counts for everybody. So I think, I think every year we'll set records for some batting numbers, franchise records, because just because of the, the, the nature of the, the sport is sort of evolving over time. But that's something that we obviously have to deal with and, and adjust to. Defense was splendid last season. Acknowledging that, offensively, what are some things he must show you next year to secure he's the shortstop? Well, I, I think in some ways, you know, Paul increased his walk rate. He cut his strikeout rate. Um, he made progress in a lot of things he was he, he was working on going into the season. Um, he started out hot and then and got himself into a, into a rut that he couldn't quite get out of, but. Um, if you look at his overall season totals, given the position he plays and how well he plays defensively, I think he's still a huge asset to the team. We talked about Edmund earlier and his versatility. Is playing shortstop part of that, or do you, or no, with Tommy Edmund? Yeah, I, Tommy played shortstop in college, played shortstop in the minor leagues. As he moved up, he, he moved around the infield more. Um, he's, he's capable of playing shortstop. I think that's something that we'll explore more in spring training, make sure everyone's comfortable with him there. And, uh, and I suspect you'll see him at short some next year. I mean, was there a workload concern with Paul towards the end? It seemed like he very rarely had days off. And it looked like that might perhaps have worn on him a little bit as the year went on. Yeah, I can say that that is something that we discussed. He is one of those types of players that wants to be in the lineup. So that's something that we have to sort of manage. But you know, clearly, his workload was very demanding. Describe your system as the, one of the better groups of position player prospects you've had in, in a long time, and how, how how much could that go toward maybe picking up some of the offensive slack that you talked about? Well, I, I think when you when you look at our our minor league depth, and obviously it starts with Dylan Carlson, but y you know we're we're certainly excited about what we have coming. Um, you know, clearly when that is, it's it's anyone's guess at the moment, but. You know, when I when I th when we sit here and talk about sort of long-term health of this organization, it is something that we're excited about because we we do see a, a lot of promise coming. Jordan, obviously, Jordan's not going to open the season, but if Carlos isn't your closer, then who is, or do you throw that open in spring training for competition? The answer is I don't know. Um, I, I think we have some talented internal candidates that could possibly do that, like a Gallegos, like a uh, Helsley. But, you know, that's still to be determined. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or 
I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.